faithwire.com. Fact checking the fact checkers. We're going to take a look at Snopes' write up of Biden's crack pipe claim. Today is Wednesday, February 9th, 2022. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have that top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. You can subscribe to us over on iTunes. We're here Monday through Friday. We'd love to have you join us. Joining me today, as always, Troy Gons Phillips, Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwire. On this Wednesday, we are we're halfway home, guys. We're right in the middle. Yeah, it's it's the weekend is breathing down our necks. And Trey that is makes me uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> I don't want the weekend to be breathing we're down my neck. Up yeah. For, uh, right, yeah, yeah. No, we're gearing up for Friday, Junior. Um, but what a weird world that we're going to be talking about crack pipes and the president of the United States today. Um, but I'm going to be uh, talking about a pastor who's gotten a lot of uh, pushback on social media for a tweet that he posted uh, about what women uh, wear um, and and post on on their social media accounts. So we'll talk about the response to that. And we will also be talking about uh, atheist claims that, you know, there's no need for prayer or faith, but there's a veteran data scientist who's out there breaking down some research that proves they have it all wrong. All right, looking forward to those. We're going to start here on a little segment of fact-checking the fact-checkers. I mean, we've talked about these guys before um, on the podcast several times uh, because, uh, in essence, what you have in a lot of cases is uh, a very biased fact-checking sort of infrastructure here. And we've kind of talked about this validation circle that often favors Democrats in which you have left-leaning social media giants, left-leaning media, and then the fact-checkers come in to validate and verify stories, and a lot of them have left-leaning bias as well. And so we're going to take a look, uh, as we do from time to time, at a claim that has come up, and this is an interesting one to me, guys, and uh, uh, maybe we won't all agree on the assessment on this one. Sometimes they're pretty flagrant, but this one's interesting to me because it was a big headline this week. And it said, this is the claim from Snopes. The headline says, did Biden administration fund crack pipes to advance racial equity? And so there was a bunch of reports here just in the last couple of days about these um, programs that the Biden administration would be funding. Uh, they're calling it free crack pipes here on the headlines. Um, obviously, the Biden administration doesn't frame it that way, but but it's similar to these kind of clean needles centers that you see being uh, tested out in a few different places where uh, drug users can come in instead of using dirty needles off the street. They'll give you a safe needle. Very controversial because they call it safe, but then people are still injecting drugs into their body. And we're just making it like it's it seems very much like accepted. Hey, come on in. Have a clean, you know, shoot up of heroin. Uh <laughs> And so it, it just is something that doesn't sit right with a lot of people about that. So it's one of those type of programs being funded by the Biden administration. And so uh, here, here's how it breaks it down. And I, I want to talk about this because it's very interesting to me how these fact checkers work. So let's take a closer look at it. Here is what they write. The claim in early 2022, the Biden administration endeavored to advance racial equity by distributing crack pipes to drug users. Their rating? Mostly false. And so here's the description of the rating. This is very interesting to me, guys. So, so let's just pay attention, listen very carefully to how they word things. So they write, what's true? In 2022, 
a U.S. Department of Health and Human Services substance abuse harm reduction grant did require recipients to provide safer smoking kits to existing drug users. In distributing grants, priority would be given to applicants serving historically underserved communities. Okay, so that part of the claim, true. And then they write, what's false? This was just one of 20 components of the grant program and far from its most prominent or important one. Despite being the primary focus of outraged news reports, the purpose of the program was to reduce harm and risk of infection among drug users, not to advance racial equity, although that was a secondary consideration. So racial equity, definitely part of this drug program. They're just saying that it's a secondary concern. So this one's really interesting to me, guys, because it seems to me, as I'm looking at it, you have um, them sort of seizing, this is Snopes, seizing on a technicality here. A lot of the headlines wrote that they were doing the drug program like, like basically that the Biden administration said, hey, how do we promote racial equity? Let's give them free crack pipes. That's that's sort of the way they attack the, the, the claim. And so then they use that to declare it mostly false. Uh, but it is true that the Biden administration is funding these safer smoking kits to existing drug users. And it is true that uh, they are considering racial equity when doing it. So to me, guys, uh, this claim really is essentially just spin. And so the way, you know, when, when you look at these guys and they're, they're very much oftentimes left-leaning, what I see is an organization that says, oh, no, the Biden administration is getting some very bad headlines here with uh, this free crack pipe story. And so they write this thing in a way so that they can get a mostly false rating on it. Um, because to me, it would say the claim, I, if I were a fact checker and I was writing this claim, I would say, hey, it's mostly true, although I would like my fact checks to either be true or false. I would say it's mostly true, although they, they flip-flop the priority of why they're doing it. Um, because both aspects of it are true. It's just, you know, which one comes first. Uh, and so... And so to me, this is another example of how these fact checkers are used to actually spin opinion. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, why does it matter? It matters because truth is up for debate these days, guys. And so I'd like to get your guys' reaction to this one. You know, maybe it's not as egregious as I'm making it because I've seen more egregious ones than this. But uh, what I'm not even I don't even complain about their their actual rating. Um, or their description on the analysis here on what's true and what's false. Um, but I, where I differ on them is the mostly false rating. I feel like it's added context or, or out of context or something or like that. Mixture maybe, yeah, maybe mixture, it's mixture, right? Or, like you know, because yeah. to me their mission was accomplished. Yeah. They got to say mostly false next to a bad headline for Joe Biden. Well, that, but, but it's also a reminder of why we need to make sure that our headlines are completely yeah, accurate true, to the true. main reason. Because if the main reason is to, you know, reduce infection, okay, or whatever among drug users, if that's what the main reason is, well, then that's what the headline needs to reflect. It could say it's a component or a part or, 
you know, whatever. But yeah, I, I do think it's worth having the conversation and talking about because we see these biases so often. But I think for me, the broader, bigger part of this outside of what we're here to talk about, which is which is obviously the fact check is that, you know, we just have this obsession with not actually fixing our real problems, but treating the manifestation um, of, of other issues that people have. So if people are doing drugs, we're not going to actually try to tackle what's causing them to do more drugs. We're just going to help them do it in a more safe way. I mean, it's just, the, it's insane, but I know that's off topic, but I did want to mention that because I think that's at the core of this. And this almost to me is a distraction from the bad idea, right? Y- yes, it's, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, they definitely opened the door. I would agree with you that people who wrote careless headlines, um, and again, that's the carelessness comes from one person reports this, someone else aggregates the story, which is fine. You know, all most news outlets do that, but you've got to make sure you're not lazy and just take their characterization of it, whoever found it first, and and not take their characterization of it and just repeat it. Like actually, you know. Make sure you get it right, because when you give somebody like a Snopes, who I believe has an agenda, um, when you give them an open door, they're going to they're going to take it. And so that gave them a kind of a window to be able to declare it false. Um, And so and, and so they can combat the the rash of bad headlines that way. Yeah, and you know, I th- I think there's a point to what you're saying, Billy. That um, we could probably honestly dedicate some more time to on this podcast, which is the hopelessness of the uh, of the these kinds of policies. Yeah. Like it, it would be akin to telling an alcoholic, well, instead of dealing with your alcoholism, I'll just make it safer for you to continue to be an alcoholic, um, because there's not really a way that we right. can free Ubers help you. You now, keep drinking and driving, are, but know, we'll give you a free yeah, Uber. Yeah, there are. So, I mean, there are nuances to how we deal with this and there are different ways and, and, you know, we can debate that and discuss that, but it just is an overall hopelessness. But the thing with Snopes um, that's interesting to me is it, it highlights a trap that a lot of reporters fall into, by the way, on the left and the right. It's not just one thing, uh, which is the correlation and causation thing. Correlation does not always equal causation, but so many in the media to get the quick headline that it's going to get a lot of clicks, a lot of shares, they will make uh, correlations uh, that, that don't necessarily exist. Uh, and then the other thing is with Snopes and why these issues become so difficult for me to understand sometimes uh, is because a lot of times these fact checkers are pointing out uh, a difference without a distinction. So you're digging and digging and digging for something uh only to find out that there's nothing there for you to dig up. Like it, it just is what it is. And they didn't like the way that it was worded. Uh, now I do think that, that this is fair based on reading Snopes's description that they do have a point there. Uh, but I think just like maybe some conservative outlets possibly overshot with how they described the policy. I think Snopes overshot with giving them a mostly false rating because that's when you look at the facts, it's just not mostly false, but it is a mixture or maybe missing context. Like you and uh, you, Dan and Billy said. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Story number two. So a pastor based in Utah is facing uh, a barrage of criticism after tweeting that there is, quote, no reason whatsoever for women to post scantily clad images of themselves on the Internet. Uh, so Brian Save, that's the pastor's name. He's the pastor of preaching and liturgy at Refuge Church in Ogden, Utah. Uh, this is what he tweeted uh, initially. 
Uh, he said, Dear ladies, there is no reason whatsoever for you to post pictures of yourself in low-cut uh, shirts, bikinis, bras, and underwear, or anything similar ever, not to show your weight loss journey, not to show your newborn baby, not to document your birth story. And he signed the tweet uh, with, quote-unquote, your brothers. Uh, so almost immediately, he was met with, a lot of criticism. Beth Moore actually was one of the ones who criticized uh, him before deleting um, her tweet. Uh, let me scroll down our story to see what she, what she wrote. I can't remember exactly. She wrote, um, uh, where is her? So she wrote, uh, dude, there is no world in which we ever want to see the word bra from you again. Uh, mind your own undies, I think is, is what she intended to write. There's a typo in her tweet. And she, like I said, she deleted her post. Uh, even the Adidas UK branch responded with uh, a pretty provocative collage of pictures uh, and commented, all bodies should be celebrated and supported without shame or exception. So there's there were a lot of criticisms, and it ran the gamut from a sports apparel brand all the way to uh, fellow uh, Christian leaders like Beth Moore. Uh, so I th the the main crux of the criticism, though, uh, was people read his tweet, which it may have been a bit provocative. Uh, and it's also, you have to remember, it's just one tweet. It's only one comment. We don't know the context there, what led him to post what he posted, uh, et cetera. But the criticism was uh, he's su seemingly suggesting, according to uh, his dissenters, suggesting that it was, uh, it is uh, women's responsibility um, to keep under control the behaviors and thoughts uh, of men. Uh, which we know is is obviously not the case, and that's probably not even what he meant. Uh, he was really just saying that there, you know, women have a responsibility to value their bodies, uh, and certainly to within a Christian context, we have a responsibility to uh, look out for one another, to help guard one another. Uh, and our story, I, I referenced several different passages. Uh, scripture obviously talks about it, prioritizing modesty. Because as human beings were made in God's image, Genesis one twenty seven, that our bodies are temples for the Holy Spirit, and this is in First Corinthians six, uh, and then uh, Jesus said during a sermon on the mount, "But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart." Uh, so there's plenty of instances uh, where men are called out for being responsible for their lusts and their thoughts and their actions, uh, and then women are called uh, you know to the same standard, and and men and women equally should be modest and and should keep these things in mind. Uh, so, but what was interesting to me was his response, the pastor Save's response, which I thought was actually much better than even his initial tweet. Uh, after dealing with a lot of criticism, uh, he explained to his critics that he was simply sharing his application of a historic Christian sexual ethic. Uh, he said he assumed that many of the people rebuking him were supporters of the quote-unquote Me Too movement because a lot of them described themselves uh, as feminists. Obviously, the, the Me Too movement called for an increased accountability, particularly in Hollywood, namely uh, for men uh, who are guilty of sexual assault or harassment or making unwanted sexual advances to women. He wrote, many of you likely use and promote the Me Too movement, yet hundreds of you are sending me unsolicited sexual images and videos. Is that okay now? Uh, I thought your sexual ethic was all about consent. This seems like naked, pun intended, hypocrisy on your part. He said, if a man were to send you unsolicited nude pictures or sexually explicit videos of himself, you would rightly judge him as sexually abusive, uh, but you can do it to me. How does the ethical math work out on that? Maybe your sexual ethics aren't so ethical after all. Uh, and then he pivoted towards sharing a gospel message, which I think is the most important uh, part here and really ties to why this kind of story matters. 
uh, he said that everybody falls short, including, he said, the, his critics fall short of their own standards uh, that he had just presented. He said, how much more do you fall short of God's law? He said, none of us measure up even to our own standards. We're all hypocrites. We're all sinners and moral vagabonds. But Christ died for sinners. Trust him and be free. I don't hate you. Sincerely, I don't. I hope that you can find freedom from the crippling weight of your sin through Christ. And then he urged uh, those who disagreed with him, to consider reading the New Testament books of uh, Romans and John uh, to get a better understanding of the full gospel message and and the fact that we all fall short uh, of the glory of God, as Scripture says. So I think that's why it matters is is these conversations are important to have, and a lot of times we can get ourselves in trouble with with not being nuanced enough or maybe not sharing all the context. But it's critical, particularly as believers, to use our platform to. To, to advance the gospel and to turn the conversation around. Um, so the only the only thing that I would say uh, in having these conversations is it would be better maybe to be a bit more balanced and say that you know men have this responsibility, women have this responsibility instead of you know giving your critics the room. And certainly we don't know his heart. This this probably is not what he's thinking. But his critics are are able to assume because he didn't provide that that both sides. His critics are able to assume well he probably wouldn't say the, the same about men when in reality it probably would. Uh, so I think moving forward it's good for for people, particularly pastors, uh, to just consider both sides of this debate uh, because it's, you know, it's a, it's a tricky one to talk about. Yeah. And I think one of the other things to remember on this is Twitter is a terrible place yes. to try to make these points. I, yeah, just, you could have just stopped at terrible place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. what he was saying was a good point, but it's, <laughs> but, but not on Twitter. No, not on Twitter. Nobody, there's no context on Twitter. And when something gets viral, when you don't expect it to, you probably would have wrote it differently if you knew it was going to get viewed by millions of people. And um, it's just, it's one of those things. I mean, maybe he was scrolling around the internet and just on Instagram or something and saw 400 bikini pictures of one after another. <laughs> they just kept, you know, it's just like, cause that's apparent. I'm not on Instagram, but anytime I go on it, that's what it seems to be is uh, models posting things. But um, anyway, so it, it just seems like maybe he was like, frustrated at that and how women are presenting themselves and then reacted to it. But you don't get any of that context on Twitter. You have no idea. Like you just think, ah, this guy's out here raging against, you know, he's a, you know, he's a Bible thumper telling women to, you know, put on their hijabs, you know, like that's what, it, that's what it comes across as to a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I mean, to your point, Trey, I mean, I think having um, a more of a balanced approach probably would have been better served because his heart's probably just fine on this issue, but it's, it's in the messaging um, and you know, it's yeah, but, just proved to be a big distraction now, but what kind of in insanity I, you just, you think about the fact that people react to this sort of thing. I understand disagreeing with it. Yeah. I think there's a lot to unpack and Trey, you did a beautiful job in your story of kind of breaking down scripture and that we're, we're supposed to be called to humility and not being a stumbling block for other people. I mean, there's so much to unpack here. It's a very broad discussion, but who in their right mind starts sending 
you know, photos, like what is being thrown his way. I mean, I just Mm -hmm. don't understand how that's your approach to it. I think his response is the most telling and intriguing part of this is that the people who are calling for us to not exploit others appropriately and to not do these things are then turning to photos and explicit images to try to make a point. And I'm not quite sure what the point they're trying to make is because they're undermining themselves. So it's, I just think this exposes where we are culturally though, that we're in a very sick and sad place right now. Yeah. I mean, and I'll just add to that, Billy, that, I mean, it is, it's, it's almost concerning in a way that the the more visceral reaction to it is one of the feminine feminist side of this, like the traditional sort of far left feminist sensibilities, rather than the biblical sensibility of modesty. Mm-hmm. Rather, you know what I mean? It's it's like it's fair to say, hey, maybe there's a better way to make this point, you know, where you're not gonna you know stir up so many people, or you're gonna not make it look one sided, or the church look misogynistic whatever the case may yeah. be, uh, maybe there's a better way to do it. But I am concerned that everyone just, you know, a lot of Christians, especially prominent ones, leap in on the modesty point, right? It's like, to, to your point, Billy, angrily, right? Not just, not constructively. Right, yeah. and, and, and you know, we should be having this conversation in a calm way. Sorry, Trey, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to add that this is actually, it, it, it points to a broader issue, which we've talked about so many times on here, which is pornography. And I want to go into a deep dive, actually, and, and, and uh, write a piece exploring how uh, the feminist movement that you were referencing, Dan, has changed over the years. Because yeah. uh, in the 70s and 80s, there was a huge subsection of the feminist movement that was literally called Women Against Pornography. Uh, and, and they were against the subjectification of women, which we've seen in the responses, ironically, from women to this pastor uh, who are, you know, posting scantily clad pictures of themselves, uh, even nude pictures of themselves in response. And it's some sort of like retort of, of what he had to say. So I'd like to do a piece kind of exploring how how the feminist movement has changed and how that we've turned this, we've had this paradigm shift where we can objectify women, and now all of a sudden it's empowering. Uh, and I think so much of it is just a lack of understanding of of a moral sexual ethic and, and the fact that as believers we know this, that God created us to be image bearers and our bodies are holy. Uh, so I think there's a greater discussion to be had about this issue. It's not just about what people post on social media. It's about how men and women value their brothers and sisters, whether Christian or not, uh, as, as people worthy of much more than just mm. sexual objectification. Yeah. Well, and I, I just have to add one more thing here. If your goal is to live by scripture and we're called to be humble, it doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman, if your goal, and we've probably all fell, fell to this at some point, or we've been guilty of it. If your goal is to make people look at you though, and specifically to make them look at you Um, you know, in a way that is maybe even sexual or look at me, look how great I look. There's something wrong with that, whether you're a man or a woman. And I think that needs to be investigated and looked at more within the church as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that brings us to our last story. And this is an interesting one because we've done a number of stories at Faithwire on this issue of data sort of proving that people who go to church regularly and who pray regularly are happier people. But this particular piece sort of flies in the face. You know, we'll hear the atheist activists say things like, nothing fails like prayer. And I've, I've said that on this show before. You know, and they'll go after religion, um, acting as though we don't need faith. And you've got Gallup senior scientist Frank Newport. And just to kind of give you his credibility, Frank Newport was the editor-in-chief of Gallup 
for years. So this is a guy who's been looking at the data for a very long time. He recently put together uh, really an opinion piece, but it was pulling data together over the years that shows this reality that religion and faith is a huge benefit to society and in particular to the individual um, he had a number of findings that he presented, but basically 92% of people who attend church services weekly are satisfied in life, compared to 82% of those who attend less than monthly. Um, and then there are some other stats that are worth noting. 67% of people who attend weekly are very satisfied with their personal life, and 48% who attend infrequently are are also satisfied. So you see these massive differences in the data. And Frank makes a point as he's going through to note that these are not new data points, that they have seen this in study after study after study. It's not as though they put out one poll showing this. This has been consistent. Uh, one of the most interesting parts of this is that our culture values money and income and weekly religious service people who attend weekly, they actually are much more likely to say that they are very satisfied than those who make $100,000 or more a year. So again, seeing that the value is not really in the money, the money is not going to be the thing that makes you happy. And of course, he makes a point to note that we have to be very careful when it comes to causation or correlation. You know, is, is being religious and going to church service the cause of the happiness or is there just some relation between the two that isn't causal? And you can kind of read and see what he has to say there in our piece over on Faithwire. But it does seem from the data that there is something about that church going, that routine church going, that has a big impact on people's lives. They are less depressed. They have fewer daily negative emotions. And the list goes on and on and on. Why does it matter? It matters because we're living in sort of this secular insanity right now where people are selling this lie that we get to make the rules as we go, that what we think and feel is what matters and that religion is not something we need. And if it's true that it's what makes people happier, then man, we, we've got a very big problem here if we're moving away from that, right? And we're watching, I think, the fruits of that, unfortunately, unfold in our culture right now. So I don't know what you guys think, but there's there's a lot to unpack there. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, part of me, part of me wants to respond. News at eleven, you know, Christianity <laughs> helps uh, your mental well-being. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, no, it is. Uh, you know, it, it's good to see when um, the, the evidence and our faith line up. Yep. Yeah, it certainly is encouraging to see um, data like this, and it just shows too that there are um, tangible ways on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, that our faith changes uh, our worldview. And I think a lot of times people would say, the secular world would look and say, well, it's because you're establishing routines and uh, you're you're putting in, in place good, healthy behaviors and you're spending time with people so you're not uh, just at home, you feel like you're part of a community. And certainly those things are are good and valuable. Uh, but as believers, we know the reason that our outlook have outlooks are changed and our, our, our mental health is better and our behaviors are better is because we have relationships with God God, uh, and that God's character is rubbing off on us, and the Holy Spirit is sanctifying us and transforming us. Uh, so we know that there's a deeper truth to the behaviors that these surveys are showing. Uh, and but it's good to see that this stuff is being reported because maybe it will entice people to say, maybe I should give that a second look, or maybe I should try that out, or maybe I should, you know, text my Christian friend and say. Hey, I, you know, can I come to church with you one Sunday? Uh, so I think it's it's good to see this this kind of stuff in the news because it could 
spark, um, you know, good gospel conversations. Yeah. No, it, it absolutely can. And I think it's it's really giving us some of the data we need to rebut some of the, the atheist insanity of nobody needs this. Well, I mean, they're not getting anything else that's bringing them collectively in. So at the very least, if you're an atheist, you should be able to conclude, look, I may not agree with religion and faith, but man, it, it seems to be having a benefit for those who partake. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would take it down another level and just say for the atheist to say, you know, well, guys, why are your... Um, you know, you're you're a bag of molecules, right? In a in a secular <laughs> in a secular um, materialistic worldview. Why do you? Why are you even reacting to that? I guess you're just. It's just your. It's just your molecules in motion reacting to this. So, um, you know but that's just you. that's just me. What will they say? Nothing fails like prayer. That's what they'll say <laughs> to you. <laughs> See, you have so many interactions with these atheists online, <laughs> Billy. I believe that that is probably something you've seen them say lots of times. In that exact voice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's how whenever the tweet comes out or a social media post comes out, that that's that's how it's actually going to read it to me. That's how it sounds. Yeah. If yeah. you press play on it, like if it was able to train, it would say, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be able to read another atheist tweet other <laughs> than that way. No, that's voice. the only way I'm going <laughs> to. That's the only way I'm going to hear it. Thank you. Thank you for that. Well, all right. <laughs> that's all the time we have for for this episode. The 43 Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. As always, head on over to faithwire.com, cbnnews.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Do not forget to subscribe to this podcast so you can get the news every day. You can survive the news with us, guys, here every day because it's a crazy world out there. A lot of wild stuff going on. You may as well try to get some sanity within your day. So God bless. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you tomorrow.